today I want to jump into the message. We're not in a series today. I want to invite you to pull out your message notes. It's kind of a standalone message based off of some of the prayer cards I've been reading, uh, based off some of the conversations I've been having, and just kind of, you know, a little bit of my past experience. And we're going to talk about how do I change? Like, how do I really change? Like, like I've got, you know, I love God with all my heart, but I've got these areas in my life that need to change. There's some areas that, you know, either it's a struggle or an issue, or maybe it's something major like an addiction, or it's something like, you know, maybe it's dealing with stress or anxiety, and you know you need to change the way you think or, or change an area of your life, and you love God but you have not made any progress in making a change in that area. And I want to show you through Scripture how you can actually change your life. And that if you would apply this message today and apply these principles, I guarantee you'll see change in that area that you've struggled with, that area that you know you need to stop, that, that area you know you need to deal with. Well, whatever it is, you'll see change in that area. And I want, I want you to be encouraged because it's not just us that deal with this. The great apostles of the Bible dealt with this stuff. Uh, The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he said, and I so relate to this statement, he says, I don't understand myself at all. Like, I I just don't get it. I really want to do what's right, but uh, I I just don't do it, Paul says. You know, I really want to do it, but I just don't do it. It's like, you know, I come to church, and when I'm here, I get on fire, and I make really good choices on Sunday when I'm at church, and I'm in the moment. I get excited, but I just, you know, Monday morning rolls around and I don't really see any lasting change. Paul says, instead, I do the very thing that I hate. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. This message today is dedicated to those of us that have really wanted to make a change in our life. Uh, we really want to deal with an area of our life, whether it's an addiction, uh, whether it's an eating uh, issue or eating disorder, whether it's a mental thing of struggling with stress or anxiety, but we really want to make a change and we've struggled uh, to do it. Th- this message is for you. The first thing I need to do, I've learned as a pastor, one of the best ways to help people change is help them recognize where they're at. And so what I first want to do is give you the stages of addiction or the stages of issues, the stages of, of kind of a struggle in your life, because if you can recognize where you're at in this stage, it's a lot easier to make a change. The first level or the first stage is this issue, this addiction, the struggle, it becomes part of your identity. It becomes part of your identity. You take on the personality of this thing, of this issue, of this disorder, of this, you know, whatever it is, addiction in your life, struggle. And you begin to say, this is just the way it's always going to be. Like, it's not going to be different. I can't help it. You don't understand. My dad was this way. My granddad was this way. It's just the way it's always going to be. I'm just going to, it's who I am. It's my identity. Now, let me say, I've got great respect for 12-step recovery programs. I really do appreciate what they do. Uh, I honor them, the impact they're making. But there's one area of, of the traditional recovery program that I've always struggled with. Uh, and, and, and let me just say, uh, please hear my heart. I get the fact that you need to admit there's a problem. Like, like if you don't admit there's a problem, there can't be any change. But what I struggle with is you can have been free for 20 years. Like, like you can be sober for 20 years, and yet you still have to say, I am whatever the issue is, whatever the struggle is. Like, 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 like I'm, I've been sober for 20 years, but this is still my identity. It's still who I am. 
Well, I've got news for you. If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. What you need to understand about God is God is not trying to improve the old you. God is trying to make a new you. God's goal is not to make you better. God's goal is to make you new. Here's the next stage. You feel increasingly hopeless. You feel hopeless. And this is where many of you are at today. You're sitting out there, you know, you know thinking, nice try, Pastor. I heard this before. I've tried it before. There hasn't been any change in my life. I'm still struggling with it. Well, th- this, this is my, my, my goal for you today. My hope is that you'll see a key today that perhaps you've omitted in the process. That, that something you'll hear today uh, perhaps will strike a chord with something you may have omitted in the process of how to actually change your life. The next stage is you become defensive. You become defensive. When that area of your life, that struggle, that issue doesn't change, and the people close to you begin to recognize and notice your family and your friends, and they begin to, to point it out to you, you become defensive, and you begin to say things like, well, I've got a right to be this way. Like, like you don't understand what I've been through. You, you, you don't know my childhood. You don't know what they did to me. I, I've got a right to be this way. And you become defensive. The next level or stage of, of, of the addiction process or issue process is you become a slave. You actually become a slave to that thing. That thing starts telling you how to live your life. And much of the Bible deals with, with, with this area of what we call being a slave to sin. Like if you ever want to have a great personal study on this, I encourage you to study Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 because it all deals with being a slave to sin or struggling with this, this carnal side of ourselves. You know, this word carnal, it, it, it's much like, you know, we say chili con carne. And what that means is chili with meat or, or chili with flesh. Well, so often what we become is Christian con carne. You know, we're Christians, but we've got this flesh. We've got this, this carnal side. We've got this war where, where there's some days we're very, very spiritual. And then there's some days where we're very, very carnal. And we've got this war. And Satan's goal for your life is that the carnal side of you begins to impact the spiritual side of you. And then here's the fifth stage. You begin to lose your life. You begin to lose your life. Your potential's gone. You give up on your dreams. They begin to die. You, you begin to say things like, I've messed up so much. There, there's no way God could ever use me again. I've, I've gone past the point uh, of God's grace, or, or I've gone past the point of redemption. Or you need to understand today, God has unique ability to take everything bad that has ever happened in your life and turn it around for good. Like, I don't care what the first half of the book says. God has the ability to rewrite the last chapter of your story. Like, you don't have to be bound to what the first ten chapters of your life have said. God will rewrite the last chapter, and you can actually be known for the last chapter of your life and and have the whole first chapters of your life completely covered by His grace. So we all have got this area. We've all got something. You know, every person here has got something that, that if you had a chance, you'd change. 
Like, like some area of your life, like, like, like if, you, if you could change this, I, I know it's not healthy, I know it's not best, if I could change that area, and again, it could be major, like an addiction to pornography or alcohol or drugs, or, or it, it could be just an issue or a struggle in life, it could be dealing with stress or anxiety, it could be an eating thing. Uh, we've all got something that we'd like to change. So this message, the title of today's message is How to Change. I'm going to give you a very practical process from Scripture of how you can actually change your life. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin, don't let that area, is what it's saying. Don't let that issue, that struggle, that addiction in your life, don't let it control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. In other words, don't let that thing call the shots in your life. Instead, instead, give yourselves completely to God. That's the secret of today's message. Give yourself. Say, say those five words with me. Give yourselves completely to God. Come on, one more time, a little bit louder. Give yourselves completely to God. That's the secret. That's the key to this entire process. And here's the problem. What most of us do is we give a lot of ourselves to God. That's the problem. We give a lot of ourselves to God, but we don't give ourselves completely, 100% all in to God. It's like being an athlete in sports and you want to be the best at your sport. You just don't want to go all in and practice. Like, like I, don't want to, I want to be the best. I just don't want to practice. That's what so many of us do with our Christian life. We're like, we're like we want to be good Christians, but I really don't want to go all in. That's why a couple weeks ago I said Christianity is for radicals only. Jeremiah 29, you will find me. When, there's a huge condition, when you do it, seek me with all, not 99% of your heart, all of your heart. And look at the result of this. When you give yourself completely to God, look at this. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's the result. So let me show you very practically how you can go all in in your life. And I want to challenge you to give it a shot. What would your life look like if you went all in? Like, what would it look like? Have you ever weighed out the pros and cons in your mind? Like, like what would it look like if I truly surrendered 100% of my life to Jesus? What would be the benefits? What would be the disadvantages, the advantages? Just weigh it out in your mind. And, And I can almost tell you, if you'll reflect and meditate on this, you'll see that the pros far outweigh the cons if you would just go all in. Like, so here's my challenge for the next three months in the life of our church. Go all in. Do it all. Get, give everything to Jesus, and I guarantee you're going to see change in that area that, you, that you've wanted to change for so long. I guarantee you'll see change if you'll go all in. So how, how do we do it? Here, here, let me give you three steps. Number one, get rid of the excuses. Get rid of the excuses. We all have reasons for why we haven't done it up to this point. All of us got reasons. We, 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 we've all had great intentions, but if you're like me, we tend to procrastinate doing anything about it. 
Like, like we want to do it, we know we need to do it, but we've got these excuses and we procrastinate and, and we just don't get around to actually doing it. So I'm going to use today's message to deal with an area of my life that I've been procrastinating on, that, that I've been, you know, kind of, you know, have had great intentions, uh, but I've made excuse after excuse after excuse. And so I'm just going to publicly say it so that I can hold. One of the ways to, to get rid of excuses is you publicly declare what you want to do, because then people will actually hold you accountable to do it. So here it is. I've struggled for three years with my health, with my diet, and my weight. I mean, I have fluctuated like a yo-yo since I've been here as a pastor. And the problem is I'm from Texas, and I've got the spiritual gift of eating. I mean, I, I do, and I'm good at it. I, I am good at eating. I love food. You know, and so I, I, I've told myself for three years, it's, this is the year I'm going to finally get in shape. I'm going to get down to my ideal weight. I've got a six-year-old. He moves quick, if you've ever seen him. And i got to be in shape to keep up with him. But I just, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it. I've just kept putting it off and putting up. And it's, I'm almost 40. It's not getting any easier for me. So it's, it's time for me to get rid of the excuses and make a change. What if today, August 31st, we said, you know what? No more excuses. No more excuses. I'm going all in. I'm going to make a change in my life. See, Jesus, Jesus even struggled getting people to do this. Jesus struggled with people's excuses. Look, look at this in Luke chapter 14, verse 18. They all alike began to make excuses. I mean, they're, they're making excuses to Jesus. The first said, Jesus, I just bought a new house, and, and we're in the process of renovating it. I need to go see it. I don't have time today, Jesus. Please excuse me. Then another one said, Jesus, I just bought a new car, and I'm on my way to try it out. I mean, I just got these five oxen, and they're beautiful. I mean, this is, the, this is, the, this is my dream car, Jesus. You're going to have to excuse me today. Then another one said, Jesus, you don't understand. It's football season. I mean, you've got to give me a break. Fantasy football just started. I've got, I've got commitments, Jesus. I, you know, I've got a draft that I've got to be at, Jesus. I mean, you've got to understand. Just give me a break. I'll be back as soon as football season is over. And then another, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come either. Please excuse me. You need to understand, God has a play for you to run with your life. God has a play for all of us. And those that go all in, God moves greatly in their life. So I want you to try it. Get rid of the excuses. Get rid of the excuses. You know, since January of 2014, in our services on the weekend, we've had over 300 people raise their hand, making a decision to serve and follow Jesus Christ. It's been amazing. Do you, do you, you know what the reality is? Less than half of them have been water baptized. Less than half of them have gone through the Discover course and figured out why they're on earth. Less than half of them have found a small group and begin to do life in Christian community. I mean, what would it look like if they went all in? Here's the second thing of going all in. Number two is make a break. Make a break. If God's calling you to a new life, there is always going to be something we need to break away from. There's always going to be something practical you have to do. If God's calling you to something new, you can't embrace something new without breaking away from something old that's been holding you back. For some of you, it may be your computer. You've been looking at some stuff on your computer you know you need to break away from. And it's time that you you break away, you get rid of some excuses, you get a filter put on that computer, you get that software where everything you look at on the internet is emailed to five friends that are going to keep you accountable. It's time to break away. 
For some of you, it may be a relationship. We've got single people in our church. Let me just talk to our single ladies for a moment. You're in a relationship, and that guy is pressuring you to do some things you know is wrong. He's pressuring you to, to, to go somewhere you know you're not supposed to go. He does not honor you. He does not respect you. And he is not God's best for your life. You need to break away. And, and I give you permission right now. Pull out your cell phone and you text him right now. It's over. I'm in church. It's over. It, it's o- I'm serious. I'm serious today. You're going to have to break away from something. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says it like this. Do not be yoked. Yoked. That word yoke means pulled together in commonality. It, it means common fellowship. Yoke means it's so close to you that it impacts you. That's what yoke means. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And sometimes that's not just people, but that's just secularism. You're yoked to some of the music you're listening to. You're yoked to some of the television and movies you're watching. You're yoked to some of the games that you're playing on your iPad or or at home. He says, don't do that. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is a word for the devil. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Let me say that again. We're the temple, not this building. We're the sanctuary, the holy place. People say, well, we need to make the building. No, no, it's not about the building. I remember when I first became the pastor here. One of the things my wife and I did, uh, and you would have thought we were the Antichrist for it, is is when we became the pastor, they had the most, uh, uh, and for those of you that were around back then, forgive me right now, you just have to have some grace on me right now. There was the ugliest cross we'd ever seen on the stage. I mean, it was like, it it was two two two-by-fours nailed together with red paint smeared all over. It was just, it was horrible looking. I'm I'm not against crosses, but this thing was ugly. And I, I got rid of the cross, and you would have thought I was the Antichrist for getting rid of this cross. People, the building's not holy. We don't need a cross. And the, you need to treat yourselves like you're holy. You're the temple. There is nothing special about the building. You're the special one. You are the temple of God. Treat yourself holy, not the building holy. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. Forgive me those of you that were here, uh, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. First off is you got you to get rid of the excuses. You got to make the break. And then here's number three, fill the void, fill the void. You can't just stop doing something without replacing it with something else. And the religion I grew up with, the church I grew up in, was a, was a church of just stop, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Sin, I mean, in Texas it was sin. I mean, it was like, don't, don't, thou shalt not. Sin, amen, we'll see you next week. <laughs> I mean, no, that doesn't work. You can't just stop doing something without replacing it with something else, or the world that we live in is going to start looking very appealing to us. We, we, we've got to fill ourselves. If you're serious, you've got to stop the excuses, you've got to make a break, and you're going to have to fill the void with something else. So I'm going to give you four things to fill the void with if you really want to make a change in your life. These are the four things to fill the void with. First, give your life to Jesus. And I'm not just saying to Jesus, but I'm saying your entire life to him. 
everything, all in, 100%. Because so many people have the fire insurance gospel. We don't want to go to hell, so we need a little bit of Jesus in our life because I want to make sure that I've got the insurance, but I really don't want to give him all. Like, I don't want to surrender everything to him. I'll give him a lot, but, but I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to go all in to Jesus. Christianity doesn't work any other way. 99% isn't good enough for God. It's not, you're not going to, you're going to be frustrated. You'll sit in church. If you haven't gone all in, you are eventually going to get frustrated. You're going to get jaded. You're going to get burned out. You're going to, you're going to complain. Why doesn't it work for me? It only works when you're all in. I mean, what if worship wasn't just songs we sing on Sunday, but a lifestyle? See, here's what you need to understand about worship. As human beings, we were all created for worship. You cannot stop yourself from worshiping. Your default is to worship, and every person here worships. The question is what? See, some worship their car. Some worship sports, some worship shopping, some worship their home, some worship their career. Worship is just where do you put your passion and energy and love? Where does the most of your passion go? Most of your, most of your heart and love go? That's what you worship. Why do you think people get so much out of football? Why, why do you think they love it so much? Look at how much they put into it. They talk about it all week long at work. They, they, they watch TV shows helping them understand it better. ESPN, they, they, they study, they study it. They do fantasy football and, and follow along with it. They show up to the game three hours early. They'll park 10 miles away and never complain. We got people who will pull in here on Sunday if they can't find a parking spot. Well, I guess we'll just come back next week. Yet you won't be late to a football game. I mean, what, what, what if, you know, there, God has nothing wrong with it. I love football. There is nothing wrong with having passions and joys and loves in your life. But what if we put God first? What if he got most of our energy, most of our time, the best of us? How much more would we get out of this? Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine. And, and the word wine could be anything. It could be don't get drunk on shopping. Don't get drunk on sports. Don't get drunk on pornography, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery simply means an extreme indulgence of your senses. It's your body and your soul calling the shots. Instead, here's the key, be filled with the Spirit. Fill that void. Don't just get a little bit of God. Fill it all the way up. I mean, get as much of them as you can in your life. Here's the next thing you need to fill the void with. Get in a small group. Get in a small group. And I'm just going to say it. This is where most people miss it. Most people don't see change because of this thing right here. Because they're trying to do it on their own. You can't fix yourself by yourself. It doesn't work that way. Christianity was never designed for you to do it alone. You were always designed to be in community to have a squad, to have a unit, to have a small group, to have a team around you. That was God's purpose from the beginning. And most people don't see change in their life because of this very issue right here. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: people who conceal their sins, people who decide to do it on their own, will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they'll receive mercy. Well, you got to have somebody to confess to. That's your small group. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8, There was a man all alone who had neither son or brother. 
basically said, I can do this all by myself. I don't need anybody. There was no end to his toil. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who's not in a small group. Because if he falls, and I'm serious, I'm not joking here. If he falls, he's got no one to help him up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one person keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered. And that's the truth. That's why you're not seeing change. You're trying to do it on your own. If you do this on your own, you're going to be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And a cord of three stands is not quickly broken. You need to understand, small groups is not about doing another Bible study, learning more, a lesson plan, trying to read more. The only reason we do small groups in our church is for relationships. We're doing it because you need a friend. That's why we do it. We don't care what type of group you're in. I mean, honestly, we, we hope you may learn something in your small group, but that's not why we do it. I mean, we hope that you might get out of debt through your small group and you might get a better marriage in your small group and you might learn a few things in your small group, but we don't do it for any of those reasons. We do it to help you find a friend because life change happens in the context of relationships. Our goal and desire for you is that you'll find one person in your small group. And let me say, it's not going to happen the first week. It may not even happen the first five weeks. But our goal is somewhere during the 12 weeks, you'll find some one person you can relate to. One person you can say, you know what? I'm struggling. I need some help. Hey, would you call me at night? At night is when I struggle with this most. Would you just call me at night and encourage me? And that's the person who's going to see real change happen in their life. The group is just an excuse to get you a friend. Because we all need to find an accountability partner. I've got an accountability partner I meet with almost every week. And it's the greatest thing in my life. Because he challenges me on my marriage and encourages me and, and checks in on me and helps me. And it's the greatest thing I have. You need a friend if you're going to change. James 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other. Not just to God. Each other. You need others in your life. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. That area is going to change. It'll change in your life. Here's the next thing you need to fill the void with is you need to find your purpose in life. Find your purpose in life. And I'm never going to stop saying this one as your pastor. You need to know why God puts you on earth. Because here's what I've discovered as a pastor. I can't solve everybody's problems. I can't do it. What I've realized is the greatest way to solve your problems is give you something that's bigger than your problem. Because if you'll begin to live for your purpose, if you get something that's bigger than your problem. See, successful people aren't people who have less problems than others. Successful people are simply people who know why they exist, know why God put them on earth, and they've got a purpose and they're living for it. Look at Paul, Acts 20, 24. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me. You need to understand, God has assigned you a work. Every person in this room has a special assignment from God. God has assigned work for you. God did not create you without a purpose. God had the purpose and he created you to fulfill that purpose. He has an assignment for you. And what a shame it is for so many people to be in church today and not know what their assignment is to not know what God 
put them on the earth for, to not know what their gifts are. Paul was so focused on his assignment, and yet Paul had major problems in his life. You study the life of Paul, he had issues. He had problems like none of us have ever experienced. But according to Paul, they were little compared to his purpose. See, he had a purpose greater than his problems. That's why you need the Discover course in our church. We're not, the, the motivation isn't because we need more volunteers. The motivation of our Discover course is to help you figure out what your assignment is because we believe that your design determines your destiny. If you'll discover your spiritual gifts, if you'll discover why God created you, what your gifts are, what your passions are, you'll begin to figure out what your assignment is. And that's the key because your purpose will cause everything in your life that's been a distraction to be minimized when you figure out what your assignment is. So first, we give our life completely to Jesus. We get into our small group, our community of other believers. We begin to figure out what is my assignment? What's my purpose? And then here's the goal. This is where real living begins. This is really the goal of our church. If you want to know what our agenda for your life is, it's, it's this point right here. Live your life for the good of others. We want you to live your life for the good of others. The most fulfilled people in our church are the ones living for others. You want to see the happiest people in the church? Go see the team that goes down to Mexico every month. You'll see some fulfilled people. Go look, look, go look at the people serving in the cafe, cutting up the donuts and preparing the coffee. They're, they're fulfilled. They're happy. Why? Because they're living for others. They're making a difference for others. 1 Peter 4.10 Each one should use whatever gift he's received. See, here's the problem. So many people don't even know what their gift is. How can you use your gift if you don't even know what it is? And again, that's what the Discover course is about, helping you figure out what that gift is. Because you can't use the gift until you discover the gift. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, live a life for others. I was thinking, how could I illustrate this today? And, and, and I saw a video uh, from our coaches' church about a guy on a dream team that, that's discovered his gift, his passion. He's using it. He's making a difference in the lives of others. And it's actually a dream team that we're in the process of creating right now. And I, I, I got a feeling some of you are going to watch this today and say, you know what? I would love that. I can do that. There, there's a lot of things I can't do. I can do that. I can make a difference doing that. And, I, and let me say, this dream team I'm about to show you is probably uh, one of the most important dream teams of our church. Uh, I would say it's, it's definitely more important than what I do on Sunday because this is the first point of contact. You know, if someone's never been to our church before, if, if, if they've never even been to a Christian church before, can you imagine the anxiety they have driving on this campus? Can you imagine how tough and difficult it was for them to make the decision to come here? And when this dream team is in place, it helps relieve that fear. So, so watch this with me as I, as I kind of illustrate this to you today. My name is Rodney, and I'm part of the team. Being on the dream team for me is, is kind of like our own small group. I like to get out there with the guys, and we fellowship and kind of hang out, and then we throw the flags around, throw the cones around, and we'll just start chit-chatting, having a good old time. You know, of course, the parking team, we're the first people they see, so before they... When they come in the lot, you know, we want them to be happy and, you know, pump them up and get ready for for the service just by waving to them or smiling to them or just, 
you know, a simple good morning or have a great day or enjoy the service. It's just an awesome feeling to know that somebody that day could come into the parking lot and, and just have a, a tremendous life change. And for me to be a part of it, it's just, it's just awesome. It's really changed my attitude and my perspective on things outside of church and outside of the parking team. It's awesome to be out there and see people come in and, and know that you're making a difference. And the fellowship and just the friends that I've made from, from being on this parking team, these guys, these guys are awesome. My name is Rodney, and I'm part, I'm part of, of the team. I love that. He's part of the team. He's found his place. He's making a difference, and you can see the fulfillment that that he knows that his life matters every week. Like when he comes to church, he's not attending church anymore. He's making it happen. It's it's the difference of being a member and an owner. You know, I've been praying this week about getting rid of the the membership terminology and and really making it an ownership class, not a membership class. And, And here's the reason. Members have rights. Owners have responsibilities. Do you see the difference? Members have rights. Owners have responsibilities. Would you rather be a member or an owner? Would you rather have responsibility to see this happen every single week? To know that what we do here every single Sunday is impacting eternity, making a difference in the lives of people, and you get to be a part of it? That God gets to use you to make a difference in the lives of others? I can't think of anything more rewarding to be a part of than than seeing people come into the kingdom of God, to know that one day when you stand before God in heaven, there's going to be a line of people waiting to say thank you because of the impact you made in their life. People that are going to be in heaven because of you, because you made an impact in their life. And I'm I'm, I'm very aware today that this was a challenging message. I'm basically drawing a line and I'm saying, cross it, go all in. And here's the truth. It takes no courage all, all, all to take notes today but it takes courage to cross the line. It takes courage to to go all in, to completely go all in, to say, I've decided no turning back, no turning back. I'm gonna make a difference with my life. I'm gonna make a difference with my life. So I wanna give you an opportunity to take the first step of all in. And so would you just, uh, just for a moment, close your eyes with me and just bow your heads for a second. And I want to ask if there's anyone here today that that needs to make the first commitment of all in, which is give myself completely to Jesus. Because there's only two conditions of your spiritual life. Your spiritual life is either number one, right with God, or number two, not right with God. And you know exactly what category you fit in. There's one way to get right with God, and that's to give yourself completely to Jesus, to go all in. And what that basically means is you're going to rearrange your life, reorder, reprioritize your life, redo all of your values and beliefs to reflect Jesus is number one. That's what it means to go all in. Jesus is number one. And I want to give you that opportunity today. This may be your first time in a Christian church and you feel something tugging at your heart. You need to know that's, that's the spirit of God tugging at your heart today. And you will never regret taking that step if you'll take a step of faith and go all in today. There may be some of you that you would say, you know what, there was a time in my life I was all in, but I took part of my life back. You know, I'm just, I'm not all in today anymore. I used to be, but I'm not there anymore. And I need to recommit myself to being all in today. And so if you're in either one of those categories, I'd like to say a simple prayer with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down to the front. You don't even have to pray this prayer out loud. You can pray it in your heart and God will respond to you today 
He'll listen to your heart. But if you're here and you need to say that simple prayer of, I need to either go all in for the first time or I need to to recommit to going all in again with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand right now and say, I'm going to join you in that prayer. Just raise your hand. Thank you. 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 I appreciate those hands. Thank you. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. So just pray this with me in your heart. Just say the first step of the prayer is, Jesus, today I go all in. I go all in. Say, I'm not making excuses anymore. Today I break away from the things that have held me back. And Jesus, I'm going to fill that void with you and your way. Say, forgive me for every area that I've missed it. And then lastly, Jesus, thank you for rescuing me, for saving me. In your name, amen. You can look up for just a moment. If you prayed with me today, I want to encourage you to take one more step. On your connection card, there's a box that says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Basically, I went all in for the first time. And a box that says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. I went all in again today. If you made either decision, I want to encourage you to check one of those boxes and drop this off in the tithe and offering box. And the reason we want you to do this is we want to pray for you. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make. And again, you can't do this on your own. You're going to need people praying for you, people supporting you. We want to begin praying for you this weekend. And then all you're going to get, if you fill this out, all you'll get from us is a simple email. You're not going to get any phone calls, any letters. You're just going to get an email that lines out the next steps of what it means to live all in. We put the ball in your court. We're not going to chase you. We're going to put the ball in your court. But we'll send you an email that clearly explains the next steps of going all in for you to follow. Lastly, if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible today. This is our favorite thing to do as a church. If I, This is what we do every single week because I know this book will change your life more than anything else. It's living and it's breathing and I can't logically explain that to you. It's something you have to experience. But I promise you, if you'll open this up and say, God help me, this will breathe life into you. Stand with me as we close today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, God, that you have clearly spelled out through Scripture a process where we can change areas in our life that we've desperately wanted to change. We don't have to live that way anymore. So let us take action and follow these steps so we can see direct change. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Have a great week, everybody.